Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Robert Murphy. And Robert is going to talk about gardens, not lawns. So, Robert, you and I talk often, um, and you're, you do a lot for the community. So tell us why you think gardens, not lawns, lawn is the yeah. way to go. Well, hi, Cynthia. Thanks for having me. Um, well, it's not a new thing. And right now, um, American Farmland Trust, I think that's one of their mottos. They say grow, grow, lawn, uh, grow food, not lawns. So that's, it's a bumper sticker that you can get from them. I think you make a donation and you can get that. Um, one of the reasons that I say that, well, we you can look no further than uh, your neighborhood grocery store right now, and the food pandemic, I not the food pandemic, the uh, COVID pandemic that we had, that we're currently experiencing. And I think in one of our last uh, discussions, we were talking about how Grass is a trillion dollar, not a trillion, a multi-billion dollar, perhaps trillion dollar business in the United States where people waste uh, perfectly good drinking water. They spray um, pesticides and pesticides on their lawns, which get into our water sources, our rivers, streams, tributaries, and then eventually into the oceans and affect all of our seafood and wildlife and wow. our groundwater and our well water. So it's, it, everything goes downhill as they say. Um, so the one, that's the first, the first step is so grow food, not lawn. So I think I'm more of an anti lawn person first and then a pro food person, person second, or well, maybe they're equal. Because I like food a lot better than I like grass. <laughs> so one of the, when I was growing up uh, in the in the sixties and seventies, in the seventies and eighties, actually, I was a teenager in the eighties. Um, we all had our own gardens, um, and we all shared food from gardens. I mean, our family, all of our families had gardens. Well, most of our families did. And like, if you had excess food, you would trade it with your neighbors. You would trade it with your friends, your family, um, and that helped cut down. And we also had the uh, instead of the instead of the co-ops, we did have co-ops, but they were different than the co-ops of today. Uh, the co-ops were it was based on farmers. Farmers would use co-ops to go in. And uh, there were small family farms, and they would go in and share the cost of uh, uh, shipping the food to larger uh, outlets of food hubs. And that would help them uh, control their costs and make more money and be able to keep the farm going and keep the farm and the family. Through the 80s, I saw all of the farms going away. And people moving to the suburbs, more so than in the in the 40s and 50s when that was the big thing, when the suburbs started happening in Long Island, that's where it started, and then it spread to Cal- in California on the coast. 
um, and the suburbs and people had the perfect lawns and they had their little gardens in the backyard. Um, so that was still going on. But then the automobile industry caused people to move farther and farther away from where their food was grown because, as you've heard in the news lately, um, they talk about there are uh, with the employment that's going on in labor in the national labor statistics right now that people that over 50% of people used to be farmers. Now it's 1%. So all of those 49% of those jobs are gone to corporate farms, huge industrial farms that what do they do? They also use pesticides and herbicides that go and run off into our rivers and streams, tributaries and oceans and affect uh, other, our neighbors, uh, cancer causing agents that they're, that are in court right now with, uh, with, I'm not going to say the name because they could come after me. Um, And that's one of the reasons that in the big picture, grow food, not lawns to get people closer to their food. Like it used to be, Uh, Food shortages in the supermarkets like it is now. Um, It's a global pandemic right now. And as we said in our last last show, that this is a pandemic. It's a global pandemic, but this is – and it's a global crisis, but this isn't – what if we had a – like a huge – emergency like a uh, a natural disaster a huge natural disaster like oh like fires in california earthquakes in north carolina and tsunamis in the pacific and hurricanes coming up the east coast all at the same time kind of like last week uh <laughs> so grow food not lawns is to make us more self-sufficient um, help people produce more of their own food, um, especially now that people are at home. That would be that would be a great idea. So, what are your thoughts on this? So, do you think that the grow foods not want movement will solve um, food insecurities for a lot of people? Um, I don't think it will solve it because there's also uh, food disparities and there's also access to gardens, access to soil, access to locations. Um, But it can start. And to do the grow food, not lawns, it has to start with young people. And that's, and it has to start with education. And this isn't a quick fix. It's a, this would be a long-term plan. And my my objective, when I say grow food not lawns, would be from, uh, as an urban planner, my focus is on urban agriculture. So with urban agriculture, I live in the Whitehall Neighborhood Association, in the Whitehall Neighborhood. And mm-hmm. we're kind of, we're like a suburb within a city, which is interesting. And, but we're like 10 blocks or one, less than one mile to downtown. So it's very, we're in an interesting situation here. 
Um, if everybody was to turn their front and backyard into gardens um, and made them into gardens that were permaculture, and permaculture means you make them into gardens that are very low maintenance and grow year-round, and all you have to do is uh, tend to them when you can, or if you have somebody who's at home, or there are groups of people now that if you allow them to come to your to uh, to use your land, they will grow food on your land, and then they can share a, a percentage, and they will take care of it for you, and they will give you some of the food that they grow. This is particularly good for uh, uh, the North community, neighbor uh, naturally occurring retirement community people who live alone, who are retiring in their homes. It gives them a community, sense of community. It gives them people uh, to come and socialize with them, well, during the pandemic and uh, the face mask, but they're outdoors, so it's, that's a, a safety aspect. But they're also getting fresh vegetables, at least through the summer and into the early winter. So when you talk to your neighbors about this concept, what do they tell you? Um, Most of my neighbors are, not most, I would say about mm, 5% of my neighborhood are growing gardens, maybe a little more, maybe even 10%. Um, But they will come over and water my gardens for me, and they will come over and weed for me, and they will come over and help me. Uh, if I ask them to, and I give them vegetables. So there's a nice trade system there, nice barter. It's like labor for labor for food. And um, it, it's, it's a nice social aspect and it, it works. And my friends come over and we sit in the backyard. And if I need help, like I put up a tomato trellis today because I've got an abundance of tomatoes and I'm I'm planning on canning my tomatoes this year. First time I've done that in over 20 years, so we'll say. Um, but I'll have tomatoes this year that are hopefully coming out of my ears and making some good tomato sauce, I'm hoping. But one thing that I would like to do, I've got two pear trees that I put into my front yard. Uh, uh-huh. And the other the other aspect of grow food not lawns and an environmental on the environmental side, um, everybody has lawnmowers. Uh, so you have, say, in my neighborhood, there's a hundred homes. That that means there's probably eighty lawnmowers, and all of those lawnmowers are spewing out more pollution than an automobile does because they are they don't have any regulation and even say you run it for one hour they say that's like driving a car for a week um really uh yes that's what i've heard i don't know the exact don't quote me on that i know it's going all over the air and people are going to ride in and say oh he's off his rocker i could look that up i've got the internet right i've got the, the the box of knowledge right here in front of me i could look that up but we're talking right now um uh all I know is that it has high output of CO2 uh or carbon monoxide rather. Um so it's high pollution whereas when you put in green 
or plants. You don't even have to put in food system. Like I say, grow food, not lawns. You can put in stone fruit trees, which are good, but you can also put in just green, uh, green trees and permaculture, which helps uh, and flowering plants, wild plants. Like I told you, I was going to uh, take out my entire front yard and put in sunflowers, uh, have two fields of sunflowers right in my front yard because sunflowers restore your dead dirt. And that's one of the problems in Albany and one of the problems in the city. Everybody throws away their yard clippings. And everybody wonders why. Why am I flooding? Why is my backyard flooding? Well, because you've taken away all of your yard clippings, which could have been mulched and turned into dirt and kept your yard taller. Every time Every time you're cutting your grass and putting it into the bags and shipping it away, that's coming from the dirt. And the the dirt and the nutrients are going up into the grass, and you're basically putting your yard into a bag for 50 years. And that's where your yard is gone. Your yard has gone into the landfill or down. It went into the landfill before they started uh, collecting it as mulch. So that's, an, uh, that's a, a, a third reason. So compost, now, uh, I, compost, go ahead. You know, an uh, environmentalist, you know, there's a lot of stuff they talk about, but they have never spoken of, I've never heard them speak about um, gardens, not lawns. Is this a big environmental issue? Well, here's one of the issues, uh, and I this is when I went into planning. I got my master's degree in planning at University of Albany, and they did not have – I got land use and environmental, but I wanted to do uh, agriculture because it's like why isn't agriculture and green – and green space, and this was before. Now that's a big. Now it's a big focus. But when I took got my degree at Albany, they didn't have that. But I kept writing all of my papers on urban agriculture, and uh, urban food centers, and local food, buying local, sustainable, um, and creating a, a closed loop system of production, processing, distribution, marketing, consumption, and then composting your organic waste, and then starting the production system again. But uh, creating a closed loop system that's local in the Hudson River Valley, in, Alb in Albany as a focal point, and in Troy, and in Schenectady, and in the, the greater capital region. So have these food hubs that go out and out, but the, there wasn't a plan, and there's still not a comprehensive plan. However, I know that there are there is research done on food waste right now. That's another story. That's that's another uh, that is another an entire conversation that we can have on food waste that we can discuss. Okay. But okay. Uh, so food system food systems and planning and environmentalism. It affects everything of our daily lives. I mean, it's like it affects everything from in planning from environmental, land use, zoning, zoning codes, the geographic location, transportation, uh, healthy communities, and community food systems. That's one of my th community food systems like they do at Capital Roots or like they do at a community garden or – how Scott Kellogg down in uh, 
down in the south end has his uh, Radix Center, which is wonderful. And he, he, has, a, he has a great book that uh, teaches people how to uh, grow their own gardens at home. He, he's like the, he, he's like the, uh, the king here in, in Albany. So he teaches people how to do organic and sustainable city living and do urban agriculture. Uh, Scott and Stacy, they're pretty, you should have them on if you haven't lately. Have you, what community groups have you spoken to that would embrace this concept? concept? Well, um, I started with the Men's Garden Club and but they're they're more about gardens, not uh, they're more about floral gardens. Uh, but I'm looking at farmers markets, community gardens, creating food hubs, and then doing farm to farm, which means a closed loop systems. Uh, the other peop- the other groups that I'm looking at are neighborhood associations that they they grasp that um, high school and elementary students those are the peop- those are the young people that we need to focus on they are the ones who need um they they have excellent ideas and they grasp they grasp the concept of the planet is dying and that we affect it there is global warming there is change in the environment right now and we can affect change you have to start locally uh, bottom line with growing food and not lawns is healthy communities. And then you also have to have access to food, food access. And we used to have what were called, they called them food deserts. And now, now they're just calling, not, I, they don't even call them that anymore. It's just, uh, they call them, I don't even know what they call them anymore, but there are still food de- deserts. They try to get, uh, there are organizations that try to get healthier food into the food deserts, but it's still it's still hit and miss. I I live downtown Albany, and I live near Delaware Avenue, where the um, Fresh Chopper Market Thirty Two is. And you know, for people in the South End, that's quite a walk. And yes. there's really no, there's no, no place really that somebody can go to without an effort to get healthy foods. And that should be something that should be part of the, every, every city's uh, planning and, and to help, you know, to help people eat better, eat nutritionally better, you know, for health and, and fitness and weight loss and stuff, but that's not being done. What do you say? Well, I agree with that. Um, one of the things that um, I haven't looked into lately because it wasn't too effective before uh, was, were the food policy councils. And every state and communities, they used to have access to these. You don't hear about them anymore. Um I know that they've turned to more to environmental. Maybe they're on an uptick right now. They should be coming. They should be like forefront right now, especially with the pandemic. Um, one of the thing, one of the tools that we have available 
or that we could put into effect, which I know there is a, a grant that was uh, working with uh, one of the unit at the University of Albany in the Department of Health, uh, School of Health, was a regional and community food assessment. And then once you do an assessment, you have to put get a plan and put it into action. But doing that, you have to have community input. And you can't just walk in with a plan. And that's where that's where planners and government officials and um, people who have all of these ideas think, oh, I have the best solution. And they go in and they tell people how they're going to do it. What you have to do, myself included, as a planner is go in and listen. And the more that you listen, you ask them, well, what do you need? How can we help you do this? Because that's where there's a, there's a disparity between academia, government, and community. So, and then also healthcare, uh, local people in local healthcare. They're like, well, let, let's, let's do more well right now we need the food banks the food banks are doing a wonderful job here in albany and it's like it, they are they're keeping albany alive right now but if we had more local food systems well that's probably why the food systems are doing uh, the food banks are doing well because we do have local food um, we're doing better than a lot of places in the united states i know that was a blanket statement um, mostly because I don't want to point out what's where it's bad. They're doing bad in poor and underdeveloped areas in the country right now. Okay. Um, so you're besides your own garden, you know, you're you're involved in, in the community. What right now are you doing in the community? Well, one of the things we started at the very beginning with the Whitehall Neighborhood Association um, is how can we get involved is to try to get our neighborhood association more involved in the community and get um, – I personally haven't tried to put an action plan together because right when I was starting to do this, all of my all of my research that I'd done for the last 10 years and all of my – screaming from the mountaintop that we're going to have a food, we're going to have a food crisis. There's going to be a pandemic or something and we're going to have, need access to food. Well, it happened. So I was very late to the party, but I had all of the research in place. So mm-hmm. now I'm, ha- now I'm having to uh, re renegotiate my research that I did before and figure out how we can, how I can move forward on that. One of the, one of the action plans that I'm working on right now and that I've discussed with several people um, is working with the city and it has to do with zoning barriers. Um, San Francisco has a zoning law. It's called an overlay and they made the, the city of San Francisco has an agricultural overlay which means that any vacant lot in the city of San Francisco can be used to grow vegetables or agriculture. Um, and all the, and 
it, all they have to do is get a permit from the city and that if the landlord or whoever owns the property is not going to, is, hasn't used it or is an absentee landlord or here in Albany, we have the Albany County Land Bank. That would be somebody we could partner with. That would be an interesting one. And I know people there. I just thought of that just now. Um, that would be a way to make little pocket parks uh, and edible pocket parks. There's an idea because that would beautify the city. It would make use of blighted neighborhoods. Um, make your neighborhood edible. Eat your front yard. <laughs> That's going to be on my really? business card. Eat your front I yard. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so do I. Well, can you imagine? That, uh, like cool. you pull you pull in you pull into your driveway and you have a strawberry wall. That would be great. Now, how bad do you think malnutrition is in Albany? It's it's very bad. Um, even people who have access to uh, to food are malnourished because they eat. Many people eat fast food and they eat processed food. And processed and fast food don't give you the nutrition that you need to survive. And it's like that causes and people they get their blood work done and they're like you're malnourished. But even the the problem with malnourished right now, the people who suffer the most are the children. And uh there right now we know that there are communities in Albany where children get maybe one meal a day and they go to bed hungry and they don't have access to food, and there's an inequality that is, it blows my mind that there's inequality and inaccess to food here in the United States, um, even with this pandemic. One of, the, one of the papers that I focused on, we, th- we throw away 51, 50% of our food was, is thrown away in food waste. A lot of that happens right at the farm. There are uh, researches being done right now, I know at UAlbany, is to have people at the farm after the food is harvested to go call the fields and pick up all of the, let's call it ugly, ugly food, because ugly food eats just the same. It's just, mm-hmm. and you can even make it pretty afterwards, but it's like people have got this idea that when you go into supermarkets that have the lighting that's just right to make those tomatoes look really red and you get the tomato home and it's not the same color. It's very, very curious like that. Um, and all the tomatoes are the same size and all of the vegetables are the same size. It's, uh, they don't grow like that in my garden. Mm. So we have just uh, we just have like about a minute left. Um, what do you tell everybody listening? Oh, can they contact you? Is there an organization that they 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 should speak to about creating gardens and not lawns? Um, well, right now it's uh, American Farmland Trust, but do, going local right now. I am going to put something together. Uh, It'll be starting. It will start next year um, with all of the, the political climate right now. I'm, I'm going to be involved in politics a little bit for the, the rest of the year. Um, Just helping out. So I'm going to put my focus there. I'm going to see if I can do it with my, 
food systems platform and urban agriculture platform, see if I can do something that way as well, um, maybe offer some talking points. So uh, I just I do have a website, but it's defunct just now, but I haven't I haven't gotten to that point just yet. Okay. So Robert, for now, for now I'll just keep I'll just keep co- I'll just keep cooking and growing vegetables and talking to people until I get to that point. Okay, great. Maybe next time you could share a website with us. So you have been <laughs> okay. listening to Robert Murphy. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Robert, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you, everybody, for for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.